Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Good morning. This is Get Your Kids Back Now. This show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of CPS and DCFS social workers. A secondary purpose of the show is to educate parents and relatives, or at least to show them where they can get the necessary information for their fight. The final purpose of this show is to remind the people that change can be effectuated at the ballot box at the state and federal levels. Let us unite, vote, and elect those who will make the necessary changes. Good morning. This is Attorney Vincent Davis, and I'm broadcasting today live from Los Angeles. And today we're going to be talking about a couple of cases that our office is currently involved in, and we're going to be taking calls uh, from uh, listeners and from uh, people who would like to share their stories or ask questions. Uh, the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to take a call from someone, area code 909, ending in 18. Good morning, you're on. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Good morning, Vincent Davis. This is Corey Murphy, and uh, I'm able to share briefly about my, my case, and I just want to thank you for having me on. Certainly. Go ahead. Okay, well... Um, about, I'm a single father of four kids. I have a 16-year-old daughter. I have a 13-year-old son, uh, another 11-year-old daughter, and a 7-year-old uh, son. So uh, about six years ago, my wife had left, and I became a single father of all four of my children. Uh, and it, it was very difficult, but uh, I tried to make the uh, relationship with, with my children as cohesive as possible, even... Uh, you know, I, I was working about 12 to 14 hour days. Um, you know, I, I kept the, my children in church and did the best I could, you know, stayed very active with them. And then, uh, uh, unfortunately, I battled with uh, alcoholism for since a very early age. I'm 36 now, and I started at about uh, 16. I was an alcoholic. So um, that is what uh, basically hindered my, my progress with, with raising my kids. Um, I was functional to a certain degree, but uh, what happened is I uh, CPS became involved uh, uh, about five years or about three years ago um, because my daughter was drawing inappropriate pictures at school. Um, we moved from Chino Hills to Yucaipa. Um, I, I got my daughter in counseling and, and did all the necessary things. I was uh, interviewed by CPS and um, everything checked out. They kind of uh, kept her in counseling. Um, by the way, my, my parents helped out tremendously uh, after the, the wife had left. Um, so basically, uh, I, I got a DUI, unfortunately, about two years ago. And um, and CPS became involved again. Um, the kids were soon then uh, removed out of my custody. Um, through CFS, uh, because it, it stemmed from that, that DUI, they became in, involved again. And uh, so it was basically, uh, I knew as, as a father that I was not, you know, providing for them as, as I should because of my relapse in alcohol. Now, the time that I was a single father, I was doing very good. 
Um, I had, I had stopped drinking. Um, it, it was just kind of the stress of it all. Um, uh, I, I started drinking again, but, um, so the, the children were, were removed from CPS. I, I relinquished them basically because I, I knew I was not being the best father that I could, you know, and I love my kids with all my heart. Um, and forgive me if I sound a little emotional because I, I do love my kids and trying everything possible to get them back. Um, so it's been a year and five months now. I have gone through the, uh, uh, the reunification plan and, uh, I've done everything. I've, I've done my, uh, my, my drug tests, uh, at least once a week. I've been in a sober living for 10 months. I did the entire matrix program, uh, alcohol DUI program, four months inpatient, four months outpatient, uh, counseling one year for, uh, with the LMFT, two parenting classes, uh, anger management, meetings at least four times a week in A and AA, uh, made all visits and all phone calls. Uh, I've been in sober living for six months, uh, six months with a psychiatrist. Uh, I've been gainfully employed as a, a termite inspector for a, a local termite company in Chino. And uh, yeah, I have my uh, vehicle and take all my psychotropic medications that were prescribed by uh, CFS. So uh, everything was going on schedule. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I did, I had all the whole list of 35 things at the one year mark I, I completed. Um, so basically what, what happened and, and my children are in foster care. Um, I'm currently in Moreno Valley and, and they're in Moreno Valley as well. So, um, about a month ago, I, I had, uh, unsupervised visits for three hours and, uh, I took my kids to the museum over here in Riverside and, um, my social worker had asked my kids where we went and, uh, my youngest son, Liam, explained that we went to the museum and uh, my so our social worker back-checked everything and it turned out that uh, I, unknowingly I had uh, uh, no insurance on my vehicle. So I, because of the, the, the DUI, I had to go through a lot of hoops to get my license back and all that. Um, but I did not know that I didn't have insurance and, and she kind of dug around for, uh, you know, something to, to hang me up on. It seems like, uh, so they, they took my visits, um, put them back to a two hour supervised and, uh, I can no longer drive with them in the vehicle. And they basically said that, that my reunification, uh, had, it, it, is going to stop at the court at my last court date on the, on, on October 11th. So, okay. um, so, well, hold on a second. Yeah. Now is your case in San Bernardino County or Riverside County? Yes, sir. It's in San Bernardino County, but we're both living in Riverside okay. County. Okay. But the social worker is from San Bernardino County, right? Yes. Okay. When you go to the courthouse on Gilbert Street, who is your uh -huh. judge? Is it in de is it in Department Four, Five, Six, or Seven? Uh, I believe it was in Department Four, and I think it was Judge Alexander. 
it's a, a judge. Okay. Uh, she's she's a woman, and I think it's Judge Alexander. Okay, blonde-haired judge. Yes. Yes. Okay, I believe I believe she's in uh, Department Seven. Okay. Um. Yeah. You, yeah. I, I you're probably right on that. Seven. Okay. So here's the deal. She's a very fair judge. Now, in my right. opinion. The fact that you didn't have car insurance should not be stopping Uh your visitation, all right? Should not be stopping your unmonitored visitation, okay? I've never heard of such a thing, and I've been a lawyer for over 30 years. And I've never heard of such a thing like that. So for some reason, you know, how would the social worker ever find out if you had insurance on your car? I've never heard of a social worker trying to check that out. Um, right, exactly. You know, when it, when I found out, yeah, when I found out that I didn't have insurance, I immediately got it. But you know, it was almost like she was, you know, digging for stuff to, you know, uh, yeah. you know, put me back on the on well, the process. She, well, did she ask you if you had insurance on your car? She did on a on a phone call. She wanted to make sure that. Um, uh, my driving privileges were legitimate and I had, uh, uh, proper insurance. And I explained to her that I enrolled into a, a DUI program and I had gotten my SR 22. Now that was a, a misunderstanding because the, uh, the SR 22 was not in conjunction with that actual class. So I, I had to but, pay for it but separately, but she actually, she actually checked into it. There's no way that she has the authority to check in to see whether you have car insurance. There's just no way. Now, do you really? have a valid driver's license? Do you have a valid driver's yes. license? Yes. Okay. Well, here's what you do. What I would do is I would send an email. First of all, Okay. you should talk to your attorney. Do you have a court-appointed okay. attorney? I do have uh, an attorney. Yeah, I have a court-appointed attorney, but like my family advocate, I've never, I've only got a, a hold of them maybe once or twice. I've repeatedly left uh, voicemails for, you know, for questions that I have, obviously, and and uh, I just get no return of call. And uh, okay, uh, and every time right, I've, I've gone to court, it's been a different lawyer. Sure. Okay. So this is what I want you to, I want you to do. I want you to okay. try to contact your attorney, your attorney via email, okay? And I want you to tell okay. your attorney what has hap- what has happened, so that he or she can take some actions before your October eleventh court date. I see. Now here's here is what's going to happen on October eleventh. The social worker will turn in a report. And, and, and from what you told me, this sounds like it's going to be the Welfare and Institutions Code 366.21F hearing. And this is the hearing where the children have to be returned to you unless the social worker can show that there is a risk. Um, right. And if, they're, and if they're not returned to you, your family reunification services will be terminated, at which point, you oh, and no. your attorney should 
Okay, this this is important, so write this down. Okay. At which point you and your attorney should should file uh-huh. what's called a notice of intent to file a writ to the California Court of Appeals to challenge this decision. Now, here's the most okay. important thing. On the day okay. of the hearing, the judge is uh-huh. going to ask you whether you agree with what the social worker is saying. I see. Or the, the judge is going uh, to ask your attorney. Make sure that your attorney says that we are not in agreement and we want to have a trial in this matter to challenge the social worker's recommendation. In my opinion, and I've done many, 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 you know, hundreds, if not thousands of cases at the trial court level and at the appellate level, in my opinion, you should not be losing this case. In my opinion, the social worker's recommendation is not even supported by law. See, social workers can say anything they want. That doesn't mean it's legal or it's supported by the law, and it definitely means that the uh, that the it definitely means that the judge does not have to go along with the social worker. But unless you tell or your attorney tells the judge that you challenge this, you won't have a trial. So what should happen is you tell the uh, the your attorney will tell the judge, listen, we want a trial. Uh-huh. You come back probably in two or three weeks. Sometimes that judge sends you sends you to mediation, but you have you okay. have a, a right to have a trial, and a trial is where you call witnesses and present evidence. Now, the most important thing would be to put your social worker on the witness stand and to cross-examine her. There was something else that okay. I wanted to tell you early early on, and I didn't want to interrupt you, but your children sure. should not be in foster care if there are family, friends, and relatives who would adopt them, excuse me, not adopt them, who would take care of them, all right? And those right, family and that was another relatives, thing that didn't make sense. Hold on, let me finish, yeah. let me finish. Both sure. family relatives sure. and uh, family friends can live anywhere in the world. Now, I noticed that I didn't say anywhere in the United States. Notice that I didn't mm-hmm. say anywhere in California. Notice I didn't say anywhere in San Bernardino or Riverside. I said the world. Right. So what probably is happening is that she wants the foster parent to adopt your children. And, and in my opinion, that's done because of financial reasons and benefits for the county of San Bernardino. Listen, you have the right to fight. I believe that um, uh, your lawyer, I don't know your lawyer, so I won't say that, but any experienced juvenile dependency lawyer um, should be able to get your children back to you if everything you've told me is correct and you haven't left anything out. Right. Okay. Now, the, because if this is not to interrupt, if, if this is just. Go ahead. Uh-huh. Okay, so there, there's another uh, problem that is in the way. Now, uh, I am gainfully employed, and uh, I, I do make enough to get a place. I'm currently at a sober living. Um, all my attempts to find a place have, have failed. So 
I do understand what Child Protective Services, it, you know, is telling me because I, I don't have a, a home right now to reunify with the children. Um, I was, I, I signed all the papers okay, let me to, get tell you a, a, to rent a home. Uh huh. Let me tell you something. As yes, part sir. of the law in the United States and in California, when housing is an issue, the social worker is supposed uh-huh. to help you find housing. I was involved in another case in Los Angeles many years ago where I made the social worker pay for my client's apartment and they completely furnished it with furniture, beds, and and, uh, appliances. See, it's cheaper for the county, it's cheaper for the county and the government to give you the kids back in an apartment instead of paying foster care. But social workers don't like to do it. I, I, you know, I have another case right now where I'm involved in the issue is housing for someone, and uh, we're trying to force the social worker to provide them housing. Now, some social workers uh-huh. say, "Oh, we'll help them with housing. We'll give them referral to, referrals to low-cost housing." No, that's not the types of referrals that, in my opinion, are required under Welfare and Institutions Code. 16,500, et cetera, Google it, I believe that they have to actually help pay for your housing. But a lot, you know, a lot of people don't like that. It's considered welfare and people, you know, sometimes are down on welfare. But housing Uh should not be the only thing that prevents you from getting your children in the system. Now, one of the things they might say, uh, well, he doesn't have a house to take the kids back. How can they reunify? And at that point, you and your attorney yeah. should challenge this by saying, hey, judge, we didn't get sufficient family reunification services because no housing services were ever uh, referred to or given to my client. Right. So she said in they that don't case, do that. you would be entitled. Yeah, of course they don't do it because it costs money. Yeah, she said but they stopped doing it seven years ago. No, that's that's not correct. So, well, they may have okay. stopped doing it because as a county, they just don't do it. But that's not the law, in my opinion. So your um, okay. your social, excuse me, your attorney, and you should be challenging the reunification services that were offered, and argue that reunification services offered to you were insufficient, and therefore you are entitled to another six months of family reunification services so that they can help you find a place for your children. But in no way, in no way should you not having insurance under these circumstances stop you from having unmonitored visits with your children. I want to thank you for calling in today. I'm going to move to the next call. If you have any further questions you'd like to talk to me about your case, please call my office at 888-888-6582. Thank you again, sir. Okay. Thank you. Have a good day. That was an interesting call. I hadn't hadn't really been involved in a housing case in, in quite some time other than that one that's currently in our office. And it's really an issue. It's really an issue that should be addressed. The next call that I'm going to take is from uh, area code 951, ending in 87. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Do you have a story to share? 
Did you have a story to share or a question to ask? I have a story to share. Um, also, my question in the end would be, are you, is your company able to represent me? Um, my sister has had an open case for since 2015 in the uh, county of San Bernardino. The reason for the open CPS case was because my sister went to jail. My niece was placed with my aunt, and she's, she, my aunt has had custody, and it eventually led to my aunt having guardianship. Um, she's, had, she's had my niece since June of 2015. And, um, well, recently in June of this year, of 2017, they took my niece away because of false allegations that my sister had made. My sister made these allegations because I guess she was upset. She wanted to, she wanted to take her daughter for a day, and my aunt wouldn't allow it which it wasn't allowed anyways, you know. So my aunt was going based off with the with the social workers and what the court had allowed, you know. So um, those allegations were made. CPS not only took my niece away, but they took my, my aunt's uh, own kids away. She had two daughters, and they were taken away. Eventually, their dad did get them back, so they're, they're okay. And um, my niece, they... She's now placed with some lady who used to be my sister's middle school's teacher's helper. So she wasn't really a teacher, but she was like a teacher's aide. And she's been placed with her for the last three months. I'm trying to get custody, guardianship, whatever they can give me to bring her back home. Um, but social workers, uh, they're saying that I, I won't, um, they won't approve of it because I've had an open CPS case in the past. Um, I've had a, well, first, they won't allow her to come to my mom's home because my mom, I guess, had a previous CPS case as well. Um, they mentioned that I won't qualify either because that, because of my CPS case in the past. But, um, the reason I had that CPS case in the past is because I told a counselor that I needed help because that my son's dad, my, I have two children by two different guys, um, my oldest son, his dad found out that I was pregnant two years um, later after leaving him. Um, I, you know, I was being with a different guy. I had a different boyfriend. I did get pregnant, and uh, when my oldest son's dad found out, he put a gun to my head and told me that he was going to kill me if I didn't get an abortion. So I immediately went, and I got help. Then CPS came into my life, and they pretty much made me feel like I was, I was like the criminal, you know. I, I did something wrong, but really I was the victim of domestic violence. Um, previously, I was in a domestic violence with my oldest son's dad for about five years or four years, something like that. But um, so because of that, CPS is saying that I'm not able to get my niece back. And I'm I'm just wondering, is there any way that I'm able to get her back? Is what they're saying true? Are these, you know? Okay. I am glad that you called and that you called early in the case. Because in my humble opinion, what they're telling you is, oh, well, it's BS. Mm-hmm. All right? Well, the thing is, it's not early in the case. Um, the case has been open since June 2015, and well, no, no, trying- it's early in the case from when they. It's early in the case when they've taken them away from the lady 
who was the legal guardian. Oh, correct, which was my aunt. Okay, now, do you have a pen and a piece of paper? Because I'm going to tell you a bunch of stuff to do. I do. Okay, number one, make a list of 25 relatives and family friends, names, addresses, and telephone numbers, and the relationship to the child. And if it's family friend, it's just a family friend. Okay? Mm -hmm. It's better if they're relatives because relatives have preference over family friends. And right now the child is with a relative, excuse me, a family friend. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then e- email that to the social worker and tell the social worker um, you guys want these relatives investigated for placement. Second thing is Google Welfare and Institutions Code JV285. It's a form, it's a two page form. Get it and have each one of those people that's on that list, including yourself, fill it out and file okay, it with the is, court. What'd you say? Okay. What What is the name of that form again? Welfare and Institutions Code Form, F-O-R-M, JV285. Actually, the last time I Googled it, I just Googled JV space 285. And since you're in California, that form will come up. And and, and it'll come up in a format where you can just print it out and fill it out by hand, or you can type it in and print it out right there on the, on you know, from Google. Okay. The next thing that I want that you should do, since you want the children, by the way, the aunt that the kids were taken away from can fight to get them back or she can fight to have the children placed where she wants them placed because theoretically she's supposed to be given 12 months to get the children back no matter what the allegations are. So make sure that she has gone to court and make sure that she has an attorney to fight to get the children back or to fight to have the children placed where she wants them to be placed. So in this case, that would be another person fighting for the kids to go to you or any other relative. This is what you should do, though. Number one, you should file a motion for de facto standing. There are some JV forms for that. Um, I forget the numbers, but you can Google it. You probably shouldn't file those by yourself. You should have an attorney assisting you or preparing them for you. You should be filing a petition, what's called a 388 petition, and that's a request to have a hearing and a trial for the children to be placed with you in front of the judge. Because if what you've told me is accurate, common sense would tell you it doesn't make sense that the social worker wouldn't place the children with you. A lot of times, social workers tell people things like you that they know are not correct. A lot of times, social workers tell people like you things that aren't correct, but they're mistaken about it because they're mistaken about what the law is. Mm 
There is no blanket rule that if you had an open CPS case that you can't get the children. There is none. What the social worker has to do is investigate what the circumstances were. She just can't say, oh, I see your name, therefore you can't get the children. Because what if they're a person like you where some guy pulls a gun on you and they get involved? That's not your fault. You didn't beat mm-hmm. the kids. You didn't pull the gun. You know, you're not a drug abuser. You are a victim. So that shouldn't mm-hmm. stop you from getting it. So so the JV, um, the motion for de facto standing, you need to file a 3D petition. And the other thing that I like to do, which a lot of uh, attorneys and judges find provocative, is I like to file um, a petition for temporary guardianship and a petition for permanent guardianship so that you can go in and say, hey, I want these kids right now. Mm-hmm. So the, the final thing that you should do, and it's pro- this is probably also very important, you should be filing a motion to uh, disclose all of the juvenile records to you. Because sometimes, you know, you're telling me a story and you don't even know the full story because you don't have access to the court records and the court minute orders. So you and your attorney, you need to find out what's going on in the courtroom or in in the case. And, um, you you know, you don't know what else the mother of the children has actually told the social worker, you know, regarding you or other relatives. So, you know, that's one of the things that you should also be filing. And you should be filing it fairly quick. I don't know what stage of the case you're at right now, um, but those are the things that you should be filing very quick. Yeah, I just simply asked the social worker last week if there's any way I can get my niece, and she pretty much told me that first I have to go through being a licensed foster mother, which she told me that I probably won't qualify for that because of my previous CPS case that was open, but I did everything that they asked me and told me, even though they tried to trick me and make me, I made sure all of it was done and my CPS case was closed. My children were never taken away from me. So um, what the social worker told you was only partially correct. And, And let me tell you something. You shouldn't be talking to the social worker. She's not your friend. You should know that by now. And number two, the social worker, the social worker is not the boss of the child. The judge is. And unless you get into the courtroom in front of a judge and with an attorney who knows what he or she is doing, you're just, you know, you're wasting your time. Quit talking to the social worker quick because she's going to give you misinformation either on purpose or by mistake. Okay? Yeah. I'm aware of that. If you need any help, if you need any help with this, please call my office. I gave the phone number to the last person uh, on the line. It's 888 You know, um, make an appointment. Uh, and if you want, you can make an appointment to see me. I have several attorneys that work with me in my office, but if you want to see me when you call and make the appointment, make sure you make it with me and make sure you ask for me. I want to thank you for calling in and and sharing your story. I'm going to take another call right now. Take another call right now. Um, It's area code 909. 
ending in 8-9. Good morning. You're on the show. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Good morning. Okay. Maybe that person just wants to listen this morning. I'll go to the next call. It's area code 562, ending in 17. Good morning. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Hello. I had a question to ask. Hello, kid. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Hello. Yeah. You can hear me okay. Okay, good. This has been hard for us because we are a, a loving couple with six children, but three of her are, um, are, have been taken away from us two and a half years ago. And we've been fighting the system. And luckily we have you as our as a great attorney who's doing a marvelous job. What our question is, um, and it's been really an uphill battle, is that we got uh, another attorney for our, my wife. We each have an attorney. And what our concern is, is after the past... Once uh, my wife's been out of touch, I'm letting her handle it so I don't get involved. But um, he didn't file a 170.6, which was replaced the judge, because the judge, uh, we had to do two writs for the previous attorney to get out of the um, out of the uh, out of the case, and a third um, writ there. So the, the the judge is definitely against us as parents. We're never going to get anywhere. Um, our concern or our question is, is that we seem to have lost touch with them. We don't understand why. We, we gave him up $5,000. We signed the paperwork, but um, he was someplace lost in, 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 in the country, and we just don't know what to do. We're just we're worried because we have this thing coming up on the 12th of October, which is a hearing to get our son back. It was promised to be back a year ago in, the, in November. We, the Social Service had made a promise that if the mother did these 14 steps, the son would be back. And, of course... We um, uh, met with his uh, his uh, other school, uh, school of origin, but his other school. They asked us to come out there for the IE group program, but um, he wants desperately to be back in the school of origin, and so we're just concerned because you're working with this new attorney, and this new attorney, where where has uh, really dropped the ball. I mean, there's there's uh, been repeatedly phone calls by my wife, and she finally got a hold of him, but the story was that he was Florida, and then he said it was too late to now to file the 170.6. Now, in court, it was told it was too late when we did file it, and we thought he was filing it right away. And uh, we don't know what to do or what to, what is going to happen to us. Well, here's what we're, what we're going to do. I am, uh, as we're talking and typing a message to that attorney, um because I do know who he is, and I'm going to make sure that he contacts uh, your wife and make sure that uh, he's prepared to go forward on October 12th on the important issue of getting your son back in your home. Yes. All right? Yes. How about the 170.6, though? How about the 170.6? Well, I mean, he, he for people that don't know what that is, we need to explain. 
Well, it was decided that... Um, a 170.6 um, is a what they call an affidavit to get another judge. And uh, when you first appear in front of a judge, before the judge makes any determinations of fact or law, you have the right in California to file a 170.6 and get a child back. Excuse me, get a new trial, get a new judge. In your particular case, um, you have 10 days to do it. And when your wife's attorney filed the 170.6, the judge ruled that it was untimely because he had been more than 10 days since he made um, decisions about fact or law. The only thing is, is that under that same law, when you appeal a judge and get the judge overruled, your time for filing a 170.6 starts all over again. And that's what happened in your case twice. The case went up on appeal and both times, you're, you know, we won. Therefore, for the time for filing a 170.6 starts all over again. And in my opinion, the judge, the trial judge didn't understand that. So there was some issue, I think, between your wife and this attorney uh, getting paperwork signed. But I believe, in in my opinion, it's, he still can file the one, excuse me, the appeal with the writ to try to get the, the judge removed from the case. And I will talk to him directly to make sure that uh, he's working on that and he does that. I want to thank you for calling today. And okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And God, God bless thank you, Vince. Thank you. Thank you. We have a few minutes left in the show, and I, I want to, before I take any more calls, I wanted to tell the audience about a new project that I'm involved in. Um, I was approached to do a television show regarding CPS on a, a national-wide basis. And um, they plan on having it as what's called a syndicated show, uh, something like uh, Judge Judy, where it's taped here in Los Angeles and sold to other uh, television stations around the country, other markets. But the, the show is called the... And the working title, I believe, right now is uh, The Reality Series, CPS, The Horror Stories. And the purpose of the show is to uh, educate those in the country that have never been involved with CPS about what actually happens in CPS cases from their own personal stories. Uh, The secondary purpose is the same as our show, our radio show, and that's to um, organize people from state to state, county by county, in terms of changing laws and voting in family-friendly judges. And I'm kind of excited to be involved with this this, uh, show. Uh, I heard that um, a contract was just signed with a studio uh, to start taping the shows, and we should be uh, taping, I am told, within about 10 days to two weeks. 
So uh, this show is going to be uh, broadcast on a local television station uh, in the Los Angeles County area. It will also be taped and sent out to other stations around the country that want to, uh, you know, buy or rent that show. Um, There is a Facebook page that the producers um, uh, set up. And it's called the reality series, the new reality series, CPS, the horror stories. And you can uh, go to that Facebook page and you can write in if you want to be considered to be a guest. There's a a nice, very nice uh, assistant producer who is interviewing people from all over the country. Um, And uh, her name is Leslie. So contact her at the Facebook page the new uh, reality series, CPS, The Horror Stories. Um, It's quite interesting hearing from people and reading summaries of the interviews of people from all over the country uh, who have CPS problems. Hundreds of people are basically uh, Facebook messaging us and sending in emails. Um, And uh, one of the things I heard from, we're hearing from people from, from literally from, Alaska to Florida, from Maine to California. It's uh, it's uh, it's good that we're hearing from these people, but it's a little scary because I realize that things that happen just in California are sometimes magnified uh, throughout the country. So please go to the Facebook page and, and, and talk to Leslie or communicate with her and share your story. Uh, the next call I'm going to take is from area code 602, ending in 26. Good morning. Hi. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Hello? Hello? Yes. Question to ask. Did you have a story to tell? Question to ask? Go for it. So I have a question. Um, I have a case um, with the department. Um I just went to, uh, I think it's called trial, or I think so, and um, the allegations made against me were sustained, and they didn't return my son. It's been three, three years of the same roller coaster. So I'm asking, can they hold my son based off of hypothetical? when they don't have any proof, like say my records or the visitation and anytime my son's with me, it's all positive recordings about how I interact with him, how he's fine, how he looks for me, how he wants to come home. Um, Can they state that I'm unfit based off of a PTSD diagnosis when that's not a diagnosis? Okay. So, ma'am, I recognize your voice, and your your story is a little bit more complicated than that. But the simple answer is no, not in my opinion. However, I'd like to tell the, the listeners a little bit about your story. May I? Yes. Okay. So, you have two children, two boys. One of the children um, is the subject of a juvenile dependency case here in California. 
The other child um, you had was you live in Arizona with that child, a newer baby. And what happened was is that the social worker from California called Arizona, made allegations against you, and they came out and took your baby away from you. Now, all of this was done at a time when you had unmonitored and overnight visitation with your child here in California. Luckily, luckily for you, you find a very good private attorney in Phoenix, Arizona, who represents you, gets your child back to you, and then you have a trial in Arizona regarding these same allegations that this California social worker is attempting to say, and you and your attorney won that case, and the case was thrown out in Arizona. And of course, you still have your baby, you still have your baby in your custody, correct? Yes. Okay. Then you come back to the ongoing case in California, and they try to use the same evidence that didn't work in Arizona. They start twisting it and exaggerating it, and you just had your trial, which you lost. Correct? Yes. Okay. And... You know, for most of the listeners, I know this doesn't make sense because it doesn't make sense to me. That's the bad news. Here's the good news for you. The good news is, number one, you are entitled to what's called a contested disposition hearing. And I know that you are going to be having that contested disposition hearing. These are the things that could happen at the contested disposition hearing because you still have unmonitored and overnight visits with that particular child, correct? Is that correct? Okay. Now, at the contested disposition hearing, you could easily win a case to get the child back to you. Because even though you lost the trial, what's called the adjudication, in order for them to keep the child out of your custody, they must prove by clear and convincing evidence that you are a substantial danger to the child and there are less, no less restrictive alternatives. Now that test and that evidentiary burden of clear and convincing evidence is a different from the test they use at the adjudication, which you just lost. At the adjudication phase, the judge must decide if you're a risk to the child, and and that's done by a preponderance of evidence. So now that they've proven a risk, they have to prove by clear and convincing evidence that you are a substantial danger to the child not just a danger, a substantial danger to the child and no less restrictive alternatives. Well, in my opinion, they can't prove that because you're already having unmonitored visits with the child, including overnights. So you can't be a danger to a person whether you're already getting unmonitored visits. Does that make sense to you? Yes. 
Okay. So therefore, in my opinion, you are going to win the contested disposition hearing and the child will be returned to you. Now, here's the other thing that can happen at the disposition hearing. The judge can throw out the case. See, you could have had the case thrown out at the adjudication, which you lost, but just because you lost that doesn't mean that the judge just at the disposition hearing, he or she can still throw out the case. So if you look at the Welfare and Institutions Code under uh, the disposition hearing part of the code, that's one of the alternatives the judge can do. The other thing is the judge can just return the child to you and keep the case open for another six months to make sure that everything is okay with you and the child. The other thing that the judge could do is, and this is the worst case scenario, is not return the child to you and terminate your family reunification services. If that is done, as I told a caller earlier, what you can do is you and your attorney can file a writ to the Court of Appeals, and the Court of Appeals will review everything, including the adjudication which you lost, including the disposition hearing which where the child wasn't returned to you, and including whether you should be given more family reunification services or not. I happen to know on your case that the prior judge on your case found one or two times that the social workers were not giving you appropriate family reunification services and extended the time for you to try to get your child back. So even though you lost the adjudication, in my opinion, um, you know, I wasn't sitting in the trial, but it's my opinion, that could, could have been, could have been a political move by the judge because nothing has changed in your case. You still have unmonitored visits, including overnights. And the judge now knows, uh, is clear about the fact that you're entitled to have a disposition hearing. And I think that at that hearing, um, if everything remains the same with you, uh, you're going to get the child back and um, that will be the end of it. I would like to thank you, ma'am, for calling in and sharing your story with us. Uh, did you have any other questions? Um, no. Um, thank you very much um, for answering my question, and I hope that my story helped a lot of people, and thank you for sharing it. All right. Thank you. I'm going to try to take one more call before the show ends today. Oh, the, uh, it's area code 909, ending in 48. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Good morning. Hello? Good morning. Hi. I have a question. Go ahead. Hello. Okay. We don't seem to be connecting on that call. I'm going to take another call. Area code 909. 
ending in 4-7. Good morning. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Yeah, good morning. I have a story and a suggestion to the person that was just on. Good morning. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Could you do me a favor and turn off your radio because we're getting oh yeah let, let me the turn it off yeah because I, I, I was yeah I was listening to that to my same uh, uh, and I was suggesting to the person that just called and and you were giving her your advice uh, um, about what what may happen with her kids you know I went with the I went through the system for over fourteen years and I really found out how corrupt and these people do whatever they want regardless of the law. Because no matter who represents you or what they do, when they want to do something, they'll do it. They don't follow the law. It's that simple. And I'll give you my story just so that you, so the people that are listening, are fully aware of how this mob of criminals operate. You see, I have a, I had a, I had a family of uh, four children and and a wife. And uh, while we were in vacation uh, south of like 2,000 miles south of the border, I disciplined my daughter, my 17-year-old daughter. And when I came back, she reported this to the school, and uh, they came and without the court order, without uh, anything, they just removed the kids, even though the kids were never in any type of danger. And after that, they made my life so miserable that for over 14 years, now there was a, a girl who was 17, a girl who was 16, a boy who was 11 years old, and a younger one who was only uh, uh, 18 months old. Uh, when uh, when after this whole thing, I went through court. I hired two attorneys. It didn't do me any good. Uh, they convinced me to go through the through accept certain uh, allegations and that the kids would be returned to me. I actually did all that, and the kids were never returned to me. By then, the the ex uh, filed a, a lawsuit against me, and everything went downhill. And met to make matters worse. The attorney who was representing the mother at the uh, at, uh, in in the civil case against me was already having a sexual relationship with my daughter, who was uh, being protected, so-called protected by the system, and she was 17. And uh, after the 18 year, months jurisdiction, the children were released, and my other daughter was already pregnant at eight. Uh, well, she barely turned around, turning 18. And the boy who was then 12 and some years old he came to live with me. And the younger one, they wouldn't allow me to see him. So I ended up in family law. I obtained custody of who was already 12, 13 years old. And I got visitations with the youngest one, which uh, they would still not allow me to see him. But soon after that, they again made other allegations, uh, dependency court, and I didn't get to see my boy. I ended up again over there. Uh, it was the school who got involved. The attorney called the school personnel and told them that I was not allowed to go in there when the court order from family law said that I could pick up my boy and drop him off. So they made false allegations claiming that the boy uh, had come to school uh, vomiting and that he had a dream that one of those was the attorney and my daughter and that he was looking for a way to kick the attorney's ass. By then, that was when the boy barely started going to kinder. And uh, this this whole thing went on and on. And after that, there was another allegation that I had bought a 12-year-old girl and I was sexually abusing her, and they removed the kids, and I ended up again in, in, in independency court. And that time, they, they they closed the case, and that's when I told them that the uh, the attorney shouldn't even be in the court because he was having a sexual relationship with my daughter. But it did, did, didn't do any good. 
by then uh, I ended up again in family law and, and, and support orders that they were removing my money and even though I was paying all the support orders and I settled to, to pay a certain amount of money and uh, make payments on, on the child support uh, and 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 that stayed there like that later again they made other allegations and then they they removed the family law case from from family law and took it to to another place to make orders for support even though that they had no jurisdiction to do that and I told the judge your honor this case don't even belong here it belongs in family law I said and and I had gone to family law and I found out that the entire case had appeared and uh, I filed a missing a, a missing file report and and about two months later, the case came back with the order that the other judge made in there. And I told the judge, uh, even though I appealed and, and everything, he made a new order for me to, uh, for support because the prior order had already been settled uh, that neither one of us was to pay child support. I was just going to pay the the uh, the money owed as a previous uh, for a previous order. Well, uh, it didn't end there. Uh, when the boy... Uh, when they again took me to, to I mean, it, it's a whole mess, what I'm trying to say. It's, uh, I ended up in, in, in court, and I, they couldn't let, allow me to see the, the boy, and they did, wouldn't allow me to see the boy. So I ended up selling my business, selling whatever I could, and just walk out of there and, and ran. And, and uh, because uh, it wasn't doing me, doing me any good, it was just killing me in and out, and I destroyed the entire family. And... Uh, but when the boy turned 14, the younger one turned 14 years old, his mother died. Okay, so because of that, mm-hmm. my other, my daughter, who, the one who was um, when this whole thing started, she was 16. Uh, she came to my house and and she told me that the mother had died and that, that I should get the boy and this and that. So I went over there and I tried to get the boy, and uh, they hired the boy that he was left in the uncle's uh, custody, and. Uh, and they wouldn't give them to, to me. So they they filed a, a court. Uh, they filed a, a uh, what do you, uh, They filed another court uh, in probate court to get custody for the boy. And they didn't inform me. They didn't tell me nothing. And because of the way my daughter was acting, I kind of figured something was going on. So I went to L.A. County and and I looked at the cases and I found the case. So it happened that I got very lucky, and uh, I obtained copies of it. And I told them that it was a lie, that they knew where I was. And, and by then, the boy had already given him to my eldest daughter, and he was staying with her. And uh, I told the judge that, that you know, I, I, I filed my uh, opposition, and I gave him the history of the case, and I told him everything, that what they done, how they operate, and everything. So I ended, he set it for a trial on, uh, at the end of the month. And four days before the, the trial, again, dependency court gets involved, and they drag it back to dependency court. So I end up in Department 416 with uh, Judge uh, Margaret D. Downing, and and here I am. I tell her, you know, hey, why are you bring why are you bringing the case back here? They said that I, that I was that the, that they were removing the boy from me, that he was in danger and things like that. Even though I went through the hurdles again, and and the boy told the judge, you know, I want to go, I'm gonna go with my dad. And even though my other by then they had already given the boy to to my other son. The one who had lived with me, because uh, uh, because the, the, the his the, my daughter had already thrown my ki- my boy out on the street, and mm-hmm. and it, so I ended up over there, 
and I argue with the judge, and I told her, you know, I want to represent myself because the, the attorney that you appointed to me is, is not doing anything, so I wish to represent myself. Because the previous attorney that represented me told me, look, you're better off representing yourself because these people don't follow the law. They do whatever they want anyway, so might as well go ahead and represent yourself. And the attorney that I had hired to represent me at the probate case, I paid him $2,000, and he's the one who had in, uh, who uh, talked to the uh, social workers, and 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 he turned turned me over to the social workers. I don't know how, but he he's the one who 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 helped them transfer the case to dependency court. So he kept my money too, and I ended up in dependency court. When I did that, I told the the, uh, the judge, you know, that, that this is wrong what you're doing. So I had a T-shirt that I made out uh, for them long ago that uh, it says that, that equal rights and justice, my S and there's an S after that. And I said, don't let the mob of corrupt, manipulator, perjurer, criminals that work for dependency court fool you. And in the front, they said that the corrupt, manipulator, perjurer, criminal tactics harm the children. And uh, I would wear my T-shirt all the time. But when I, I, I would go to court, I would put a, a quote on it to cover the T-shirt. So I went into court one day, and, and the judge says, let the record reflect that Mr. Schwartz is wearing a T-shirt that the states and, you know, my coat was wearing the front of the T-shirt. So she couldn't read it. And she got up from the seat. That was Margaret D. Downing. And I got up, and I opened my uh, my uh, coat so she could read it. And she said, and she read the, the, the let the, uh, I mean, uh, the corrupt, manipulatory, perjury, criminal tactics harm the children. And... Uh, and she sat down, and I said, well, Your Honor, I'm, I know you couldn't read the, the T-shirt as I was coming in. I said, it, it, it must have been that somebody must have told you that I was wearing the T-shirt outside. I said, and having a conversation with the judge, that's illegal because no comments or conversations should be made prior to all parties being present in the courtroom. And she said, she just looked at me. And the next time uh, I was in court there, I, I had already ordered the transcript, and so it happens that those wordings had disappeared from that transcript. And I told her, well, Your Honor, knowing how all the corruption that goes on in these courtrooms, um, I want to bring to the attention of the court that the word, when you remember when you said that, let, let the record reflect that Mr. Schwartz is wearing a T-shirt and you read the T-shirt? Yes, Mr. Schwartz. I said, well, I want to bring it to attention that the, that the court records are being altered and those words were totally removed from the records, from the transcript. And she just, okay, taken. And then anyhow, uh, she ended up throwing me out of court at the end because I, I, wouldn't, I, I would not bow to them and I, I would always stand up for what is right. Even though my boy told her, well, Your Honor, I want to go with live with my dad. And she goes, well, it's too late for that. I told her, no, Your Honor, it's never too late. And she goes, well, please, bailiff, escort Mr. Schwartz out of the courtroom. So I, I was escorted out. Anyways, the boy ended up uh, uh, with the brother. Uh, he was given guardianship to the brother. The boy was never taken away from me by any means. of uh, My parental rights were never removed. So when the boy turned 17, the brother was also having a lot of problems with with the boy so i went to his house and i picked him up and i brought him to mexico and that's where i'm calling you from and he we went to an attorney <laughs> and the, yeah so we went to an attorney and uh and the attorney said well if you take him to mexico he's he, the moment you cross the border he's they're gonna stop you and they're gonna throw you in jail and i said oh yeah i said well he says i'll bet i'll bet him and he bet told my son i'll bet you a hundred dollars that They'll do that. I said, okay, you, you, you try that. He was already 17. I said, you don't believe these people, I said. 
And I told my other son, don't believe these people. It's because you listen to these kind of corrupt people that don't have no common sense, that the families are all destroyed. I said, I'm going to take this boy regardless of what happens, regardless of what you say or anybody does. So I brought the boy to Mexico, Tijuana, Mexico, and I took him to the American consulate, and I got him. I obtained him because his passport was already uh, uh, already, uh, expired. So I brought, I bought him a new passport, and I took him across the border back to, so he could finish his high school over there. And he ended up finishing his high high school, and and uh, for the whole year I, I would take him there. He stayed with his brother in the week, and during the weekend he would come with me, and and that's what happened. And after high school, he's been living with me ever since. Now it's been uh, he's already 21 years old, and this family is totally destroyed. They don't even. I mean, the, the the other two, the older sister, she moved out of the place and doesn't talk to them at all. Uh, she supposedly she she's together with some uh, some uh, guy from NASA or somewhere. And my other daughter, uh, I mean, I don't speak to them. I don't speak to all of the other three kids because what they try to do to me uh, to alienate with the department to remove this boy. And he's right here with me next to me mm-hmm. right now. We're gonna go to the states and he's gonna he's going to college. He's about to finish his. Uh, his uh, his first three years of college, so that's a big story. But you okay. know these people are very corrupt, very manipulative. They do whatever they want, no matter what the law is. They don't follow the law. I appealed through three times. I appealed a lot. I spent over two hundred thousand dollars in a bunch of BS that these people do, and it doesn't do any good but destroy the families. Well, sir, thank you for calling and sharing your story. I appreciate it. We're running out of time this morning. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.